Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the podcast Holy Crap It's Sports. I am your host, Orson Wells. Actually, I'm Pete Davis. It's episode number 83. It's a very special, special broadcast because today, in honor of college football, in honor of the upcoming Auburn-Georgia game, a very, very, one of the most important Auburn-Georgia games of all time. We're going to have a dramatic reading from the totally biased guide to Southern college football concerning aforementioned Auburn Tigers, a worthy adversary for a team that is trying to make the national college football playoffs, the Georgia Bulldogs. So let's try and class this up. What I'm going to do is read you the chapter on the Auburn Tigers. If you have the book, you've already read it. If you don't have the book, maybe, just maybe, this dramatic reading will force you to get off off your ass and purchase the book so I can stay in Ritz crackers and peanut butter. As your host, Pete Davis, coming to you live from the Sandy Springs podcast studio and laundromat. So let's make this worthy of an NPR broadcast. Uh, Maestro, Alexa, a little classical music. Okay, just play the music. I'm going to back talk. All right. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it in the background, but I'm going to hear it so it makes me feel classy, in which I hope that brings forward the page. It makes it leap out the class from the page here. Chapter whatever from the Totally Biased Guide to Southern College Football, the Auburn Tigers. Based in the plainest little city on the plains, a quick internet search shows that Auburn really had won a national championship before 2011, although you may have been surprised to find out Field and Stream magazine actually handed out such an award. After their win over the Ducks in the national title game after the 2010 season, they now have just as many championships in football as Vanderbilt, and they did it with less than half the IQ. The Tigers pride themselves on finding the best coach available with no stone left unturned. Their searches take them to every campus and airport tarmac in America. The time spent searching for coaches is made up by their rather unique and quick way of choosing a school president. The title is merely given to the booster who gave the most money that season. There is much confusion around the rest of the country about what exactly the mascot is, a tiger or a war eagle. But this is at least one subject that Auburn fans are not confused about. The mascot is a tiger. War Eagle is their salute, their holler, their shout-out, their cry for help. But as anyone who's ever driven the back roads to Auburn knows, and they're all back roads, the real mascot is a roadkill opossum. Legend has it a War of Northern Aggression veteran found an injured eagle on an old battlefield and somehow managed to sneak it into the first football game in 1892 with Georgia at Piedmont Park in Atlanta. At some point, the eagle escaped his owner and flew around the field as the Tigers went on to score and win 10 to nothing. At the end of the game, the eagle crashed into the turf and died possibly out of sheer boredom, or it being Atlanta, might have been caught up in the crossfire of a horse and buggy drive-by. For some reason, the fans have taken this as a good omen and continued the tradition of shouting War Eagle at games, gatherings, church christenings, and honeymoon beds. 
It's also began the tradition of bringing an animal as a date to Auburn games. Eagle the Seventh, or Nova, is a golden eagle that flies around the field before every home game, frightening the local livestock both in and out of the stadium. War Eagle 7 has its own Facebook page. No friends, but a page. He or she has a partner bald eagle named Spirit. Don't ask, it's kind of a Bert and Ernie situation. The games with Georgia are called the Ernie, the Deep South's oldest rivalry, and a damn good reason to drink PBR on Saturday. Hey, Bert. Those Tigers are quite the pranksters. In 1896, before a game with Georgia Tech, Auburn students greased or soaked the railroad track so the train bringing the Yellow Jackets slid right past the depot, and the players had to walk the five miles back to town. That used, thank you. That used up a lot of soap, but it wasn't like it was seeing any use anyway in Auburn. This may have caused the 45 to nothing whooping at, put on the jackets that day by Auburn. Georgia Tech got its revenge by having the Auburn grads call them boss at work every day since. Nowadays, students put on pajamas and ride floats in honor of the Rec Tech Parade. The PJs are a nice break from their overalls. The school is known for running backs and remedial classes. Perhaps the greatest pure athlete to ever play in the SEC, Bo Jackson, comes from there. He honed his amazing running and fence-climbing skills and his many attempts at escape during his matriculation. Despite his fame and talent, even the great Bo Jackson was subject to the school's strict academic policies. He was once given a stern talking to by the dean when he was caught with a book. As the music swells, Bo is one of three Tigers awarded the Heisman Trophy, along with quarterbacks Pat Sullivan and Cam Newton. John Heisman himself coached at the school in the 1890s before discovering the hamlet had a train depot. Their greatest tradition is throwing toilet paper over trees at a place called Toomer's Corner whenever the school achieves a victory or a player passes a class. This has been going on since the 1950s and is a boon for school pride and makes for easy access to toilet paper for all the outdoor plumbing facilities. Still, no soap. This tradition is now facing its greatest challenge since Cheryl Crow asked people to use only one sheet of paper per sit-down. Seems a disgruntled and dastardly Crimson Tide fan spread a nasty and virulent pesticide on the ground around the trees that ended up killing the 130-year-old symbols. The Rhodes Scholar then caught up a Birmingham radio station and admitted to the dirty deed, saying he did it right after the tide blew a big lead at home and lost to the Tigers. He signed off by saying, Roll damn tide. When apprehended, the Einstein said he did it in reprisal for Auburn fans celebrating the death of Bear Bryant by toilet papering Tumor's Corner. Lest I have to remind anyone that grudges are kept for a long time around these here parts, the bear began the deep hibernation in 1983. At first, the authorities at Auburn hoped it was a prank, so they sent off soil samples to the premier agricultural school in the South for testing. No, not Auburn. They wanted the job done right, so they sent the samples to Mississippi State, which confirmed the ground indeed had been poisoned. Not since the Romans salted Carthage has such a lament about salted land been heard around the land. Some Tiger fans wanted to retaliate by killing every beautiful plant in Tuscaloosa, but the Alabama Highway Department had beaten them to it. So how did Auburn fans react to the terrible news about the demise of their greatest tradition? Did they hold a candlelight vigil? Did they plant more trees in their honor? Mm, not really, not at first. They promptly went out and TP'd the distressed and dying trees. 
That's like throwing confetti on your grandpa right after he tells you he's got terminal cancer. The trees have been replaced by new ones, or at least they hope so. The mysterious man who sold them the seeds muttered something about beanstalks. By the way, you can buy toilet paper with the Auburn logo and colors right on it. Burnt orange, navy blue, and sometimes brown. The dead trees were cut down and the wood cut up into millions of toothpicks, which sadly will never see use at Auburn because you first have to have... Well, that's too easy, isn't it? Up until the latter half of the 20th century, most teams refused to play at Auburn due to the fact you couldn't get there from here. But with the modern inventions of paved roads and Lysol, teams are finally given the idea of traveling to Auburn a second thought. For directions, just enter Alabama, hold your nose, and follow the Pepe Le Pew vapor trail. Now, a little sip of the Cabernet to wet the whistle. As the music stops, good timing. It will be back. There it is. The Tigers traveled a lot in the early days, even once playing the coolest name bowl game ever, the Bacardi Bowl in Havana, Cuba, in 1937, tying Villanova 7-7. The game was nearly canceled when newly appointed a dictator, Fulgencio Batista, sat down in his luxury box and opened his game program and found there was no photo of his own eminence. A hasty trip to the printer saved the day at the Bacardi Bowl, but only until 1946. Batista himself lasted only 13 more years before being ousted by Fidel Castro, a noted communist and paterno apologist. Their 2010 QB was on loan from the Florida Gators, who obviously had no need for another Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback, having just had their fill. Cam Newton is quite the consumer advocate. If you need an inexpensive computer or a spare national championship, he's the man to ask. ESPN announcer Brent Musburger said, and I quote, Cam Newton has a smile that lights up a stadium, end quote. You would too if you had a lantern jaw that makes Jay Leno look like Kira Knightley. Newton looks like a pelican that swallowed a brick. Bill Cower looks like Brad Pitt standing next to him. Cam had a few problems with receiving stolen goods and hiding said stolen items from the police while matriculating at Florida. Well, hiding may be too strong a word. I mean, is it really hiding something if you chuck the laptop out of the window like a crackhead tosses a pipe when the popo comes knocking at the door? He was also accused of stealing. I'm sorry, let's uh, use the proper athletic term, borrowing without knowledge, a fellow student's paper and claiming it as his own. So let's recap. It's known as the George O'Leary excuse. So let's recap. You have a player who has received stolen goods, hidden those goods from the police, and allegedly had some issues concerning stolen papers, which may or may not have helped lead him to leaving Florida. Why wouldn't you believe him when he says he had no idea his father was shopping him around to colleges like a pimp does a hooker? He certainly earned the benefit of the doubt. This is where that smile that lights up a room talent comes in handy. Oh, yeah, and the ability to play well with a ball. You can see Cam Newton these days as the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers masquerading as his grandmother. It was reported that Cam's father had allegedly asked for over $100,000 for his son to sign with Mississippi State. He didn't get it mainly because there isn't $100,000 in Starkville. Cam says he simply decided not to go there as the music swells dramatically, so he didn't want to spend the rest of his eligibility stranded in a sweltering backwater like Stark Vegas. So, of course, Auburn was his choice because when you think of avoiding sweltering backwaters, you think of the cool and placid waters of Auburn. The NCAA took his word that his main confidant, role model, and oh yes, father had acted without Cam's knowledge, the daddy knows best defense. 
Well, enjoy that trophy, Tiger fans. The thrill will last about as long as those trees now that Cam has gone pro. I'm sorry now that Cam has decided to go pro in the NFL. The stadium is named Jordan Hare for former coach Ralph Shug Jordan and a rabbit. Play began there in 1939. Pat Dye Fields is a natural grass field, so the cheerleaders can graze close to where they practice. On game day, it becomes the fifth largest city in the state and the second largest holding facility. Shug Jordan is the uh, coach with the most wins. You pronounce Shug like you're saying the first syllable of the word sugar, and Jordan like Jordan, which means it sounds not a bit like it looks, which makes you think that maybe somebody in Auburn needs to be introduced to the Phoenician Alphabet's pronunciation guide, or at least invest in Hooked on Phonics program. They claim just one other national championship in 1957. Well, that's not really true. They also claimed 2004 when the BCS had the University of Spoiled Children play Oklahoma in the title game, despite the Tigers being 12-0 after the regular season and 13-0 after beating Virginia Tech in the Sugar Bowl. What a caterwauling those Tiger fans put up. Those howls of protest remind me of what Mark Twain said upon leaving his first opera. I haven't heard anything like that since the orphanage burned down. You can say their 1983 team got hosed with a pressure washer, too. But you come to think of it, ain't such a bad idea. The third-ranked 11-1 squad featured Bo Jackson and beat Michigan in the Sugar Bowl in a defensive struggle. But Miami upset the Nebraska Cornholers in an exciting orange ball to leapfrog the Tigers for the national title. They were undefeated in 93, but the NCAA had caught them with their hands in the recruiting jar, and no one's dad was smart enough to admit to anything, so they were sent home without TV, supper, or a title. Their 1914 squad outscored their opponents, nine of them, 139 to nothing. The embarrassing losses causing Agnes Scott and Vassar to drop their football programs. They have several SEC titles in Auburn. Their mascot is Albie the Tiger. He's a douche. Before each home game, fans line Phil Donahue Drive outside the stadium and pat the team on the back, literally, as they walk past. They just kick Albie in the ass as he passes. No one knows why. Oh, yeah, that's right, because he's a douche. In 1998, Coach Terry Bowden resigned with five games left in the season after feuding with athletic supporters, which is more career-damaging than it sounds. Boosters reportedly ran him out of town, despite Bowden having the best winning percentage since Mike Donahue in the 1920s, winning over 73% of his games. But don't worry about Terry. He first landed a cushy broadcasting gig, then left that to coach the University of North Alabama. He hoped someday to return to college coaching. Note, in December of 2011, Terry was named the head coach at the University of Akron, the Zips. Despite this, he is still hoping to one day return to college coaching. Another note, he has since been fired from the Zips. Guess he'll need a new zip code. <laughs> zip code. Oh, forget it. Coach Gene Chiswick was nearly run out of town before he coached his first game. Irate fans called him a loser because of his record as head coach at Iowa State. Well, let's just look at that record, shall we? He was 5-19 with the Cyclones, including losing the last 10 games of the 2008 season. Uh, hmm, maybe the fans were right. But he began a winner at Auburn taking the national title in just his second season. It'll be interesting now to see how he fares without a store-bought quarterback. Third note, not so well. Chiswick's popular offensive coordinator Gus Malzahn had been rumored to be up for several big-name college positions and Vanderbilt. 
but he turned down every one until his dream job of Arkansas State opened up. Yes, the Arkansas State, located in the thriving metropolis of Jonesboro, Arkansas. Gus has a wife that's now almost as famous as he is, since her bizarre TV interview with a preacher went viral. Think Kathy Lee on steroids and shrooms. In what may be the worst timing in college football history, the Arkansas Razorbacks' job opened up shortly afterwards when Bobby Petrino and his motorcycle mama got caught red-handed and red-faced. But it worked out all right in the end for Gus because the infamous short-term memory of the average Auburn booster returned and they fired Chiswick. Malzahn was brought back home to the Plains like MacArthur to the Philippines, or more apt, like a fever blister to a lip. And now, another sip of the Chardonnay. Hmm. His Auburn team pulled one of the biggest miracle wins in history, taking a missed Alabama field goal back 109 yards for the winning score in the Iron Bowl. The Crimson Tide came into the game unbeaten and number one. Their field goal team consisted of the kicker, the holder, eight offensive linemen, and a recalcitrant goat, which is why they were easily outrun. Malzahn is ranked the ninth best college coach by Athlon. His wife was named the second most bizarre coach's wife by Psychology Today. He's already on the hot seat, but hasn't been fired because Auburn's Board of Cows signed him to a contract larger than Jeff Bezos' divorce settlement. That's the guy from Amazon. For you Auburn fans. The Tigers are hoping to come back from the ninth annual Cam Newton quarterback auction with a proven signal caller. Auburn hired former Florida head coach Will Muschamp as their defensive coordinator slash cheerleader. Will had his work cut out for him since defensive end Elijah Daniel was booted from the team for multiple charges of theft from fellow students in their dorm rooms. Muschamp called Daniel flexible. He'll need that flexibility in jail where he'll redefine the term defensive end. Muschamp is now the interim head coach of the Gamecocks. Was that you say? No, they're all called interim at South Carolina. The 2015 season saw the debut of the largest video board in college football. At almost 11,000 square feet, it beats Texas A&M's board by over 3,000 feet. This means extreme close-ups of Auburn fans' faces blow up to the size of Godzilla. That's scarier than the thought of trying to get a job with an Auburn diploma. The only other board besides the Aggies that even comes close in the SEC is the one in Arkansas, but that one doubles as a state's only television. A line that never gets old no matter how many times you hear it. What is long and hard on an Auburn fan? Third grade. I'm sorry, I'm legally obligated to tell that joke. And uh, on a sad note, tragedy struck the Auburn family in 2019 when the longtime radio voice of the Tigers, Rod Bramblett, and his wife Paula were killed in a traffic accident in Auburn. They were just 52 and 53, respectively. Rod's greatest call coming in 2013, as we talked about earlier, when the Tigers ran back a Crimson Tide field goal attempt, 109 yards for the winning touchdown in the Iron Bowl. A recruiting questionnaire for Auburn. Do you know that the phrase plausible deniability, have you ever heard of it? Do you know what it means? Does your daddy, how deep is your gene pool? Does your family tree have any branches? Do you believe the DNA strand is a boardwalk in Mobile? Famous players from Auburn. Bo Knows, Pat Sullivan, Cadillac Williams, Ronnie Brown, Cameron Newton, Cam's daddy, Terry Beasley, Tracy Rocker, and Takeo Spikes, among others. Greatest rivals, the Crimson Tide, Georgia, LSU, Bama fans with a crude knowledge of pesticides, and rustlers. There you have it. A dramatic reading from the totally biased guide to Southern College football concerning the Auburn Tigers, who will be taking on the 
fourth-ranked Georgia Bulldogs this Saturday. I believe the game is on the Plains. Is it not? Is it in Auburn? Let me ask my staff. Alexa, where is the game between Georgia and Auburn tomorrow? Alexa doesn't give a shit. Anyway, you've had it. Auburn Tigers, the totally biased guide to Southern college football, available right now as we speak on Amazon.com and paperback and ebook, along with its sister, Canines of College Football, which makes a great gift for the kiddies. It's time for Thanksgiving. It's time to arguing with the old brother-in-law and sister-in-law at the table because they follow state tech and you follow tech state. Also, Christmas is coming up. They make great Christmas gifts. Something to argue. Just another subject to argue about over the holidays. Anyway, I'm your host, Pete Davis. You've been listening to podcast number 83, a special one, a dramatic reading of Holy Crap, It's Sports. Everyone, have a lovely evening and drink up, Shriners. Alexa, turn up the music. Play me out.